Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. <laughs> Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages. No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland, sausages, <laughs> pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast. Hi, this is Małgorzata Bonikowska, your host, and you are listening to episode 89 of Polcast, recorded and produced by me in Toronto. Our website is mypolcast.com, where you can find all the previous stories and a lot of information about Polcast. Today's episode is a long time no hear kind of episode. Polcast has many friends. Apart from our listeners, Polcast keeps in touch with many of well over 100 people I have interviewed so far. And I value these friendships. I like to tell you what these fascinating people have been doing. Today, I'm speaking to two women whom I have interviewed before to give you an update on what they've been up to. They are amazing individuals who do things which are important for many. Alicia Edwards is a writer, a painter, a pianist, and an antique expert and dealer. She will turn 98 in August. She lives in Eureka, Montana, where for decades she ran her antique shop. The shop still exists, and whoever comes there to hunt for a treasure ends up visiting Alicia at home. She has always been surrounded by people fascinated with her and her life. Alicia was born and lived in a small town in eastern Poland until the age of 16. In 1939, Germans declared war, attacked Poland, and Poland was also attacked by the Soviets from the east. The Soviets deported her and her family to Kazakhstan into forced labor for three agonizing years. After being liberated and transported to Iran, Alicia met her army husband, Lieutenant Ernest Edwards, and came to the United States as a war bride. After traveling the world as an army wife, she settled in Illinois to raise a family until the death of her beloved husband of 50 years. Her son, Chris, a Vietnam veteran, retired architect and Native American enthusiast, convinced her to move to where she lives now. Eureka, Montana. I first interviewed Alicia in 2016. In these six years since then, not only hasn't she really aged, but she has done a lot. She has started her third book, and her paintings showing the traumatic years in Kazakhstan are now telling this incredible story of survival as part of Alicia Edwards' exhibit, at Museum Pamięci Sibiru, Siberia Memorial Museum in Białystok, Poland. Alicia called me to tell me about the exhibit, but I had already known because 97-year-old Alicia is on Facebook. Having been impressed with her since I first met her in 2016, I followed her on Facebook, so I knew about the exhibit. On Facebook, I also e-met her daughter, Tina Zagone, who lives in Chicago, and who came to visit her mom in Eureka. This was a great opportunity to interview Alicia again. Alicia, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to me. When is your birthday? 8-8-24. So in August, you're going to be, how old are you going to be? Uh, I'll be answering 98. 
98 and you look like this and you have so many new things going on in your life. This new thing that's going on so far away from Eureka and so far away from the United States in Poland, there is an exhibit. Tell me how did this happen? This started quite a few years ago when I donated my painting to um, the museum. The museum wasn't built yet. They were building this huge place. I was the one that opened the museum. My paintings were the only ones shown at the time. So this is like really the beginning of that museum. The beginning, yes. There was nobody else exhibiting except me. Right. Which of your paintings did you decide to put into that exhibit? There were 12 paintings. And they were actually what was in my book, telling people really what was happening at the time, from the beginning to the end. My exhibit was talking to people. Those were my words if I was standing there and trying to explain each what happened from the beginning when they shoved us, my grandmother, my younger brother, and my mother, where they loaded us into the train. We went to Kazakhstan. How do people react to what they see? I was watching the people who are looking at the paintings. And I looked at them, their faces, their eyes, uh, some of them horror. Some of them just wide open, looking at each painting. And the one that took a lot of attention uh, was our last painting, uh, going through the uh, Tarakum Desert and people falling down, some dying. But we had to go through it from four o'clock in the morning until the four o'clock in the afternoon to reach boats that would take us to freedom. And that the power of freedom was there hanging above our head. It led us, even though people were falling, they would get up. Uh, Me, I lost the heel of my shoe, but I, threw it away, then I went, picked it up, and walked with a broken shoe. As you walk, we walked, and other people needed help. Everybody helped each other. They even started to sing with bazooka. Tell me why you think it's so important to listen to these stories, to watch these um these paintings generally. Why is it important so many years later to remember? Well, there's so many years before that people fought for the land and lived happily and went again, were punished. Like it was punished. We didn't know why that Soviets came and arrested us. We haven't done anything. Father was arrested. He, and they told us that he was shot. That he was executed. He wasn't. He went in the Ural comments working. And during the time that we were in Soviet Russia, in Kazakhstan, we had to gain strength to know that Tomorrow will be better, that something will come. And there was God. We believed that God is going to help. A lot of people die, but a lot of us survive. It, it was this power in your head. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. It was like some a power from somewhere. So this was the most important thing in in your mind. What made it possible for you to go through all this and survive and then be be a strong woman, do so many things in your life? We were 
put to work. And you knew that with each hour, you were alive. And we worked very hard in the heat, in the cold, for a black slice of bread. And staying alive kept you going. And a prayer. Do you remember those things very clearly now? Very, very clearly. Little incidents, a lot of them made you laugh. But I remember because I had malaria and Kabedi was checking your papers. And they looked at me because my little piece of paper was shaking in my hands. And my eyes went like, uh, we call it Zeza in Polish. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Cross-eyed, yes. <laughs> and the NKVD said, the morons are leaving us. Thank God. <laughs> I, was, I was a moron. <laughs> Do you think young people know enough? Are they getting enough education about that past? Uh, I think they understand. Uh, maybe they don't know how to express themselves, but they do understand when you tell them and you see the pictures. That's why paintings were so important, because each moment that you see on the painting, you imagine that it was happening. A lot of people, I understand, said that they felt like they were right there with us. Yes. There was 12 or 13, I forgot. 13. 13, 13 Because the last painting was we were on the boat and waving the Polish flag. We're free. <laughs> oh, God. Do you remember that moment? Oh, my God. I know because we were all being stuffed with pills to take for <laughs> malaria, for a bloody dysentery, for yellow jaundice. You lay down the boat and you look at the sky and you listen to uh, uh, songs. Yes, Jaborska Nizginela. So that must have been the, one of the happiest moments in your life, was it? Oh, it was. You see that flag? And Tina bought me a shirt, just Polska, with the people. Alicia, what do you want now? What do you want to do now? Oh, I mean, you're 98, you're going to be 120 soon. So tell me, what are your plans now? What do you want to do? Hello, America, right here. Oh, what's that? The third book. Oh, my. my gosh, you're writing your third book now? Yes, I did before I went. I was very ill. I had a heart attack. And when I come back, I found it. And I said, oh, my God, I had quite a bit uh, written already. Uh-huh. And this, is, this was to tell people how people feel when they come from across, from different countries, eh, and they come to states and learn the new way of living. Mm-hmm. So this is like I, part three of your life. This is the this yes. American part of your life. And are you writing in Polish or in English? No, English. In English? No, because, this I mean, your Polish is excellent, so I'm just asking. <laughs> so how many more chapters how many how much more do you have to write i would say halfway oh okay halfway so yeah. there's a lot to work on still yes because i already was started to write my life in japan all right okay yeah, I, I can't sit still <laughs> no i know you can't how uh how much time do you spend every day writing uh right now um, just maybe a couple pages. Oh my God! And you handwrite it. You so who types yes. it? Uh huh. 
I have family. I have family. So you are so lucky, Alicia, to have Tina with you and that she types. That's absolutely fantastic. So the book is being written. It is being also typed. And we're waiting for your book. I'm waiting to read it. I want to thank you so much. And I want to congratulate you from the bottom of my heart on everything you have done and the fact that you're writing this book. I can't wait to read it. So don't make me wait too long. <laughs> I, I promise. I promise because yeah. I, I I want to myself want to finish it uh, to, to show people what America did for me when I was learning. I have one last question. Yes. Which is, are you happy? Yes, I'm happy. I, I was very ill. And the illness slowed me now. But I'm trying to fight it what it is and work on the book and paint. I am still painting. I thought it was my last question, but I have one more. <laughs> my very last question. Imagine you are talking to young people, okay? What kind of advice, based on your long and fantastic life, would you give young people? What do they need to know to be really happy and to be able to say at the age of 98, I've had a good, happy, sensible life? I talk to a lot of schools and to people in middle grades and high school. And they listen. After I finish, they will come on the stage and cry. They understood. I told them, make make a road for yourself, which you're going to travel. And don't get off from the no lies, no murders, no horrible things. Just walk, help, help people, help yourself, and pray. Thank you so much. I'm hugging you from a distance. You. <laughs> You're very thank far. You so much, so good to see you again. And thank you, Tina, for arranging it next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. And now a surprise for our invincible Alicia. She doesn't know that, but before her daughter left Chicago to visit her mom in Eureka, I invited Tina to talk to me about her mother, a very special influence and inspiration in Tina's life. Well, I can't believe it's been like six years since I spoke to your mom. And the first time I interviewed her was in 2016. It's unbelievable. It's six years ago, exactly. Yeah, summer 2016. And I remember that I decided to call this story the invincible generation, because that's how I really see that. But I have a great pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much for finding the moment to speak to me, because you're so present in her life, of course, and on Facebook. I know you from Facebook, but now we can talk about your incredible mother. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to talk uh, about her and uh, then with her, she doesn't know we're talking, right, uh, is that Polish exhibit in Białystok. You were very much involved in organizing it. How did this happen? Are you familiar with Crisis Siberia with Anna? Yes, 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 sure. Oh, well, Anna and Stefan brought it up as it was being um, created. And in Crisis Siberia is on Facebook and on a website, but a, an accumulation of information for the various Polish um, individuals who were deported everywhere, you know, when the Russians and the Germans invaded, but mostly um, Crisis Siberia, obviously, is to Russia, and mom went to Kazakhstan. Um, but a lot of individuals who are still looking for information about either their family or other survivors go uh, find Anna and Stefan 
at Crisis Siberia, and they're amazing at tracking down um, his, history and people and pictures and documents. So they were the ones that said, this is going to happen. Somehow you have to get um, Alicia's paintings and information to them. And so we did. My brother packaged up and shipped all uh, 13 of her original paintings to Poland. And those paintings themselves are in her first book of <clears throat> memoirs, And God Was Our Witness. The exhibit opened in, mid, in mid-May. Her exhibit is the first. Um, and it will run for a month. And after that, it will be moved to a part of the permanent exhibit. I've been talking to a, one of the directors at the museum, not talking, emailing back and forth, determining which of the documents that I have access to because I helped her publish her book. Um, does he want me to send so they can position it with the permanent exhibit? I guess I'll be involved for a while, which makes mom happy every time I say I talk to, I don't know how I would pronounce it. It's P-I-O-T-R. Piotr. Piotr. So each time I talk to him, I, talk, I let mom know. And she gets, you know, all bubbly and excited. Um, she's on Facebook every day now at the museum site because there are different articles, different exhibits, and they it appears they have different individuals who um, walk people through the, to- uh, the tour. Um, most recently, there was a professor, I believe, whose specialty was Kazakhstan and mom was in Kazakhstan. So I told her about it. She's really happy. You know, started to um, write. I always select translation so that I can see what's going on. But mom loves the fact that it is Polish and that's become her first language again. A lot of times when she can't think of a word, it will be Polish. I don't speak Polish. Uh, my father taught me a few swear words, and that was it. But your father was American. Right. And did he manage to learn Polish at all? In his own way, he would sprinkle words that he knew, but I don't think he was fluent. It's, it's unbelievable because when she called me and when she told me about the exhibit of, about which I had already known because I'm watching her on Facebook, so I didn't know, but it was so wonderful to get a phone call. And she kind of speaks this Polish-English thing. When I first spoke to her six years ago, it was mostly English, but now you're right. I mean, it's, it's both languages. <laughs> and the same thing is happening with her brother, uh, my, uncle, uh, my uncle George, when they talk they both drift back to more Polish words. But he's he's been fluent. His How old is he? I think he's six years younger than right. my mom. Well, uh, your mom is slowly approaching 100, right? She's now going to be nine. I know. I, <laughs> Nobody can tell, of course, because she looks so young. I know. I, we kid her. We're planning your 100th birthday, so... <laughs> You need <laughs> to get well, and, exactly. And of course, she has. So right, she's amazing. you know, in Polish on birthdays, as I'm sure you you know, we sing stolat, which Stolat. is 100 years. But in her case, it just makes no sense because it's 100 <laughs> years. We wish her 200 years. We really are planning a hundred year party, so she can't she can't not be here. I want to talk to you about her and about your relationship with her because you have been very actively involved. You were editing her book, book or books, both books or one? Both books. Both books, right. Tell me about her, how you were growing up. How much did you know? How much influence did she have on your life? Well, she had a lot of influence on my life. She was always, she was the perfect wife for my father, um, the European, the respectful wife. Slowly, 
she became more independent, um, especially after my father retired and they went into the antique business together and he did estate sales and auctions and she knows antiques like nobody's business. She could tell um, some museums what they have. Um, she did a lot of research and now with Google online, oh my goodness, you know, she is always on there. Technology baffles her, yet she uses it to her advantage. She's amazing. She communicates with the world. She's inspirational. So how was it growing up? So there were two kids and there was her so full of memories of incredible knowledge. When did you she get never, this? In, yeah. Right. Never what? Never. Never. Now that I look back on it, and I hope I don't cry, um, I was a spoiled brat. I wanted to be like everybody else. And there were times when I didn't want to eat my dinner. And as she was doing the dishes, she would mutter under her breath, because I could hear her, you don't know what hunger is. It wasn't until my father got very sick. He was in the hospital and she started writing like crazy on yellow pads. She had yellow pads everywhere. So this is when? Around the beginning of 2000. She had notes. She was writing while we were in France uh, in the 60s. Um, she was always writing on little things because when I started to actually edit it, she was putting together little scraps of paper from her purse, from here and there, and it all came together. Um, and shortly after my father passed, um, she organized everything. And I sat down starting to write and edit things. And well, she was in her 70s then. Yeah. yeah. But I before just, that, you guys never talked about it. So, no, no, no. Either that or I was such a spoiled brat. I, it didn't dawn on me what she was trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. But she was very influential. She was an, a concert pianist. She was very musical. Had lessons in Poland at some fancy um, fine arts in Lwów. She still plays the piano now. And she used to play every, until COVID, she played every Sunday at church. And I used to, we had a huge grand piano that I would sit under and listen to Chopin and Beethoven and Rachmaninoff. And um, her dream was that I was to be a ballerina. Mm -hmm. And I studied at uh, the Fine Arts Building in Chicago. I danced. I still, well, yeah, I don't dance really, really, but I choreographed. When I would get off the train, which was like four blocks from our home, she'd have all the windows open and she'd be playing. And our entire neighborhood, sometimes people would just come and sit out on their lawn and listen. It was beautiful. So the culture, the, the music, um, poetry, and painting. She she does it all. How important has Polishness been to her? Or did it become more important at some point when she started digging into this past? I think it became more important. Uh, for, for the longest time, she tried to be American, like everybody else. She was pretty feisty. I mean, to be around my father, you had to be. Otherwise, you just faded into the backgrounds. There was a point where she went out and got a job in a, a local plastic extruding place. So she'd have spending money and she wouldn't have to always rely on my father. When Jane Fonda and Gloria Steinem started with the women's rights movements, she almost divorced my father. <laughs> But eventually he thanked me for his new best friend because she was very outspoken after that. What are the most important things that you have learned from her? That there's nothing that you can not overcome after 
editing the book, I don't think I complain about a lot of things. Knowing that everybody has a story, whether they tell it or not, to be kind. If she's your friend, you have the best friend in the world. She loves her family and she loves her friends. She loves to tell jokes, make people laugh. She's good to be around. There's always something going on. She creates things. Um, we talk every day. Um, she's writing her third book of memories. Hello, America. She's already to Wisconsin, which means she came to America. Um, a very brief summary of the hardships on the ship over. And then all the things that happen, her understanding of American language, they're funny things. This isn't a, a, you know, a very sad memoir. The Americanization of Alicia and the funny use and turns of our language that in, in Polish it's like, when the, when the Yankees beat the Red Sox or something, you know, she was like, oh, they can beat people here. Just cute little things. So she wanted to write something funny. Moving to Eureka was the best thing in her, in her life. She became the queen of the hop there. She's, the, she's the spirit of Montana. Are you proud of her? Oh, my goodness, yes. Primarily because I've shared her with so many people. Um, when I worked at Bank of America, we had, um, I was one of the co-founders of the Diversity Network, and she was one of our guest speakers. Her book had just been published, and so she came to talk about being proud of being an American and fighting for your freedom and what freedom truly means. Um, before she got ill and COVID, she would go to the grade schools and high schools and some of the local community colleges to talk about freedom and what it means, what it obviously means to her, but what it should mean to them. What do you want to tell her? What's your message to your mom? She's going to listen to this without knowing that you are talking about her. What an inspiration she's been. Much I love her. I tell her every night. <laughs> Keep going for 100 years. And what an important part uh, she is in my life. Thank you so much. To learn more about Alicia, her exhibit, and to get links to my first interview with her, please visit podcast website at mypodcast.com. A Polish-Canadian professionals organization whose launch we celebrated on podcast in 2018, Connect, has been growing and expanding. I interviewed Louisa Schatzen, its co-founder and chair, twice in 2018 and in 2020. And the stories on podcast website, mypodcast.com, were titled Connect, a new brand of Polishness, and a no-barrier approach to Polishness. Polcast has been watching this progressive and ambitious organization very closely. I'd like to take this opportunity and thank everybody in this great organization, everybody in Connect, because you honored me with this fantastic Connect Award for, as you kindly put it, Tremendous dedication to the sustainability of Polonia media and Polish storytelling in Canada, as well as ongoing mentorship and invaluable support of Polonia youth. Thank you so much again. Now, four years since Connect's launch, I'm talking to Louisa Schatten again to find out how Connect has evolved and where it's going now. Well, Louisa, we have spoken a number of times, two, three times since you started this organization. How many years has it been now? 
We first launched the organization in April of 2018. Uh, we launched as Connect Polish Canadian Professionals. And since then, we've grown quite a bit. Um, we now have um, a second chapter in Calgary uh, to accompany our mother chapter here in Toronto. And then we have a third sister chapter um, in Ottawa, which is uh, YPCPA Ottawa. That's Young Polish Canadian. So how do, how do sister chapters uh, differ from <laughs> daughter chapters? Uh, so our daughter chapters, they're essentially franchises. Um, so we've had different folks reach out to us because they learned about the organization's philosophy and mandate and said, hey, can we start our own version? Um, and so we have, we offer funding, um, resources in terms of just all the branding. Uh, we basically set up, set up the sister chapter or the daughter chapter, I should say, for success and make it as turnkey, as simplified as possible. Uh, one of the most difficult parts of starting an organization is just even developing your marketing materials, like what your logo is going to look like. Um, and it's a lot of stuff that is very time consuming, uh, whereas we have all of that already prepared. And so the people can just get their funding and, and get going on their launch launch event while relying on the existing sponsorships that we have, the existing partnerships that we have, and of course, benefiting from the wealth of knowledge of the organizers across Canada. And the, the sister chapter? Our sister chapter is um, Young Polish Canadian Professionals Ottawa, which is run by um, Kasia Oredel. Uh, um, and she's been running that organization for about 10 years. Um, and we're, we're all very close as friends and also as professional peers. Um, and so we brought her under our, colloquially we call it Connect Ottawa, um, because their 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 work is very similar to ours, and we work very collaboratively on a number of events as well. So let's look at those four years now. So you must have had a break for the pandemic, but you did stuff online. We did, we actually did not take a break. We grew throughout the pandemic. Um, our events did take place on online. Uh, we were lucky enough that in 2020 and in 2021 we were still able to hold some of our outdoor events um, and that was very successful. So we do two yearly summer camps um, and it's, it's summer camp, but it's for adults. So it's essentially all the fun that, that children would have at summer camp, um, but we design it for adults. So we're still doing outdoor activities and play and arts and crafts, but then you incorporate a nice bottle of wine and a campfire. So uh, a little bit more elevated. Um, so we've been able to run our connect camps. We also have done the different hikes. We have an informal hiking group on WhatsApp where different people organize camping trips and hiking trips informally. Um, and we just recently in the last couple of months have resumed doing um, indoor events here in Toronto um, and like different lecture series. So let's talk about your membership. How has it changed and I'm sure grown? When we first started the organization, we honestly thought it was going to be more of a professional organization with like networking and business type things. And once we amassed uh, a membership base and started doing surveys and research to better understand them, we quickly realized that our members were actually not interested in business events because they were already professionals and very successful people in their fields. So, uh, for example, um, without naming anyone, I can think of one member who's in his early 40s. He has had multiple VP positions. Um, I think he's an SVP now um, in large Canadian corporations. He's very successful. Um, and he was not interested in joining another organization that was going to give him more businessy events because he's already having to do those for, for work anyways. What he was looking to connect for is to have an elevated space where he could connect with like-minded poles who are progressive urban dwellers um, and connect with his Polish heritage, maybe meet somebody romantically, maybe make a friendship. Um, and that's ultimately what a lot of our members have been calling for. Um, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a shift from what we originally thought we were going to do. So we actually just call ourselves connect half the time because 
uh, our events are not necessarily professional. Our events are probably more informal. We do try to make them a little bit academic. Um, our membership surveys have shown that the majority of people who come out to our events are um, looking to, to connect with their Polish heritage and with their Polish culture in an elevated setting. So a lot of our events might be like a cool speakeasy or a cool downtown loft um, as the setting. Um, we'll have uh, a University of Toronto lecturer or a University of Ottawa lecturer um, do uh, a lecture about a piece of Polish history. We recently had a lecture series about Polish erotic literature, followed by um, a mingling session over drinks. Um, and so our sponsors are very generous. They provide us with libations and hors d'oeuvres. Um, and so that's how a general event will look like, especially our downtown events. Um, a good mixture of, of culture, academia, but then also drinks, laughs, informal setting, um, you know, people people can let loose a little bit and it's not a work event where you're work, worried about what your colleagues or what your boss may think of you. So what's the average age now? Um, I would say 36. Yeah, so you're not um, that young anymore. I'm not saying no, that you're old, no. <laughs> but you no, know these kids who are growing. <laughs> yes, and thank you for highlighting that because we're very frequently referred to as młodzież, as youth. Yeah. The general, like most of us have mortgages. Most of us are single. Most of us, some of us have children. I think our youngest member right now is 28. We have a few mem members who are in their 50s and perhaps, you know, are divorced and are in like a second stage of their of their life. Um, it's like, well, just never married. Um, we have a few members actually that are widowed even and just got widowed at a young age and are in situations where they're looking for community and they find that um, amongst other polls. Um, I'm also extremely proud of the amount of people that we have in our community who are third or fourth generation Polish or half Polish and they don't speak Polish. Um, we also have been able to attract a lot of um, LGBTQ uh, members, that has been a big part of our mandate, um, has been to be as diverse and inclusive as possible. Uh, we do encourage inclusivity um, largely by ensuring that all of our events are in English to be as accessible as possible. So even if your spouse, for example, is not Polish or doesn't speak Polish, they are still able to come enjoy an event, engage with Polish heritage and culture and fully understand. Um, we also have um, a general rule within the organization of tolerance. And my personal rule, as I phrase it, is don't be an asshole. Uh, so <laughs> just be nice to everybody. And, uh, and for that reason, uh, we've been able to, to really grow the organization. Um, we're very keen on celebrating Polishness. And we define Polishness as whatever that is to you. So for some people, that is, I grew up in a Polish household. We went to Catholic church on Sundays and now I'm looking to reconnect with some of that. Um, and for other people, it's, I grew up eating pierogi, but other than that, never, never had any rice, Polish rites of passages, but I'm looking for a place to, to kind of learn more or have just, just have maybe new friends. So Polishness is a very vague term and we're going to keep it that way. It sounds like a nice club where people get together for social reasons as well, or mostly. Does that mean that people also socialize outside your events? Yeah, so we've, the transformation of the organization went from us being a kind of thinking it was going to be a professional's networking organization to honestly being an exclusive social club, um, an exclusive inclusive social club. I'm not really quite sure how to, how to pin that, <laughs> um, but it has. So one of the things is we have a very informal um uh, connect WhatsApp chat group that people can just join on their own accord. Um, it, it can get a little noisy because there's, I think, 50 people in there now and more are constantly joining as the summer ramps up. Um, but that's just people informally organizing their own quote unquote connect events that will be anything from two to maybe 12 people going and hitting the beach together. Um, and that's largely just so that Myself and the board of directors don't have to organize every little piece because these are intelligent adults who can organize themselves and go do a day trip. So they're informal connect events, but ultimately these are people who have met uh, through the connect organization. Um, and also there's lots of friendships and I know a few relationships and you know, at connect camp, a lot of people tend to meet because it's four days of uh, living 
on a campground together and, uh, you know, there's late nights and drinking and dancing. So people get to know each other. Uh, so we've had a few, uh, Toronto, Ottawa relationships form. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's generally a good time I and mean, we're, we're all adults. Tell me about uh, your sponsors, because you say you have sponsors, and I know you do, and generous sponsors. Um, who supports you? What kind of sponsors are interested in your very progressive organization, not very typical? I think it's unfortunate that we're seen as being a progressive organization because we're progressive, but it's also the way that I think that Polish institutions should be, is to be welcoming. And I think that that's kind of this is my own personal opinion is I think that that's been one of the shortcomings of the Polish community, at least here in Toronto and in Canada. I'm not sure what it looks like outside of Canada, really. But um, we built this organization. It, it was very much like economic principles of how to build sustainability. And there's no way of having sustainability if you're catering to a very small population while you have a million people in Canada who self-identify um, as being Polish. And that's like the most important thing is these people are self-identifying as being Polish. Um, so we need to really kind of hone in on that. And, and from our research, it took about six months to build Connect. Um, and that six months was heavy, heavy research and uh, both qualitative and quantitative and understanding why are these 1 million people not engaged in the Polish community in Canada? Like what's like, where do we go wrong? Um, and we found that a big one was the religiosity aspects in a lot of Polish institutions, uh, language barriers. Um, so we were just missing out on all these people who were looking to, to join. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of like, yes, we're a progressive organization, but then I, I feel like we're just, we're a normal organization. (laughs) We're a normal (laughs) Canadian organization that embodies Canadian values. Um, I will say that actually when we were first launching, connect um like our board especially was very very diverse like we had people on all three major political parties on our board um throughout it like we have all over the political spectrum and all over like even the social belief spectrum but like our one rule is um just being inclusive and don't be an asshole it's a very simple rule but uh (laughs) so far it's worked to our benefit and just to answer your question about sponsorship, um, our sponsors are um, diverse. It is like a series of Polish small businesses that believe in the general values of Connect, uh, firstly. Um, but I would say that the sponsors that have kind of sustained us the most is actually our alcohol sponsors, alcohols and venues, I would say. So we have mm-hmm. a few venues that we work with. It's just It's such a budget offsetting opportunity. Um, if we were to do um, an event, most of our events are essentially closed parties. You buy a ticket to the event, um, and and it just it's very cost saving for our members to then have drinks included within that event, um, and it's a, it's huge for our budget. Um, and it's it, so we were very lucky that our alcohol sponsors have been generous. And again, it's not like these these are elevated cocktails. Like people are not getting hammered at these events. Like we're having we're having tastings. Uh, one of the things that a lot of our members who have asked for is they love doing tastings. So like vodka tastings with a lecture, our, our most popular. We've done I think three of these over the last four years, but it was uh, the history of Polish vodka, the legacy and craft of Polish vodka. And we would compare different vodkas um, and really get engaged in the uh, the everlasting debate of who started vodka. Was it the Russians? <laughs> was it the Ukrainians? Was it the Poles? And these are real like academic debates. Um, another successful event that we had was a whiskey tasting. Um, so something that a lot of people had never done before was a whiskey tasting. That was a members only event. Um, and so you, ha- you had to be a member to attend it. And typically um, a, a whiskey tasting in Toronto is going to run you at a minimum $150 um, to attend something. But that was something that was offered for free just to connect members. Um, and it was a lovely event um, held at the Polish consulate. Um, and we're very, very lucky. So if I, if I could call it out, Peter Mulzinski agencies, um, basically they've been one of our biggest supporters. Um, and uh, so like since the beginning, and I, I don't know if Connect would have survived if we didn't have these budget offsetting opportunities. Um, 
alcohol is very expensive. You're going to do an event, there's going to be alcohol. So um, it's, we're very, very grateful to Peter Mulzinski uh, Jr., I should say, and his entire team. And what are the plans for the future? You want more so, sisters and daughters or? <laughs> so we do have another daughter in the making. I'm not currently able to announce it because we're still developing out uh, the franchising opportunities. If anyone is interested in any city in Canada to learn more, they can reach out to us um, and learn more about what that looks like. So we offer startup funding and all the creative assets, as I mentioned. But ultimately, like Calgary, for example, Connect Calgary functions differently from Connect Toronto. We, we have the values, the mandates, and we want every chapter to stay um, connected to. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize that every community is going to have different needs um, and different wants and different interests. So it can't be um, like so cookie cutter. So like the, the Calgary chapter is a little bit different than the Toronto chapter, just as the Ottawa chapter, pretty much everyone that is part of Ottawa, they're all in policy and government. So as a result of all of the membership in that community, they're what they can and can't participate in differs. Like Toronto, I would say is probably like we're the wild ones because we're, like, we're all from a, lots of different walks of life. At some point you wanted to step down, right? I, I remember you said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do this anymore. But I can see you still at the helm of the organization. So what has it given you generally in your life? How has it enriched your life? Because I guess it has. Yeah, I mean, I originally started this uh, organization because um, I was going through a breakup and I was sad and I felt like I need to pour my energy into something positive. This is four years ago. And and so I, I started this thing and then everyone liked it. And now I kind of have like this baby. Um, so I'm lucky that like I have a board that they're working with me. Um, and anytime that I think to myself, oh, I don't want to do this anymore because it, it is time consuming. We're all, vol- it's a volunteer run effort. Um, what has it given me? I think at the end of the day, the thing that fuels me is, for example, at the end of all of our connect camps, we have a debrief where people can kind of share about their experience and what they felt during the event. And what's meant a lot to me is the times when someone has said, you know, I was in a really dark place in my life and I'm so happy that I came to connect um, because I met all these people. Everyone's been so awesome. I came to camp and like my entire outlook changed in one weekend. Um, And we've had, you know, people come through who are like going through divorces or just just in, in challenging challenging times. Um, I think something that happens to a lot of us once we get into our thirties and forties, um, and you know, some of, some of the people that have chosen, you know, they don't want to have children or they maybe don't want to marry, or, um, maybe there's like very career focused. Um, if everyone else in your community is going down a more traditional, um, path, it can, it can become very lonely and you can become very isolating, um, to, to lose basically all of your integral friendships and connect offers people people an opportunity to to meet like-minded poles uh, and also not Polish people who are just appreciators of Polish part, culture for whatever reason. Um, so for me, I think that that's been my ultimate fuel. Um, I've also had a number of people who are half, uh, half Polish, half something else, or ha- even half another race and say, you know, I, this is my first time feeling very welcome at a Polish event. We have a number of members whose partners um, are not Polish um, and have said, like, this is this is the, the one event that my partner feels really happy coming to because they know that they're going to be welcomed and it's just like a fun space. Um, so I think that that's ultimately what's fueled me is, is seeing these kind of like no, noticing that it is an impact and has made an impact in people's lives and that it's for the better. and. Um, you know, without getting into too much personal details, like I know it saved some people's lives. I, I definitely keep those anecdotes uh, in my back pocket for when I get frustrated and tired <laughs> and, uh, you know, realizing that I'm spending an, like another evening of my life doing this pro bono thing. But um, I think that that's ultimately just the the ability to, to make, make a change and make an impact positively is, is kind of what's driven me. And everybody else obviously must love it. A lot of people have been in this organization for quite a while. Yeah. So 
Um, we currently have about a, a little under 500 in the community. Um, and our every year we have paid members and that generally runs between, I would say, 70 to 150 people yearly who are paid members. Uh, it fluctuates just because of programming and what people have going on. But in terms of people that filter through our events at some given time is a little under 500. That's quite a lot. That, that's just for the Toronto chapter. I'm actually yeah. not familiar with the numbers for Ottawa or Calgary. I don't know of any other organizations that are just like ours that are uh, like free of religion or um, just kind of based on being very inclusive and just focusing on like the cultural heritage parts. There probably are. Um, and I think that some organizations, even if their name is, you know, I don't know, Chicago Polish professionals, like maybe they do have that implicitly as a part of our mandate. But our whole focus from the beginning is like we're going to be aggressively pro-inclusivity and pro-diversity um, in order to break some of those negative stereotypes um, and invite people in who maybe had an experience in the Polish community and decided they didn't want to be a part of it. Um, there's not a lot of organizations that are aggressively <laughs> inclusive. You're aggressively inclusive. <laughs> We're aggressively inclusive. That's our tagline. <laughs> what are the forthcoming events? So um, so our two main events that are coming up in the next few months, uh, we run two camps uh, every year. They take place in Peshoba. Uh, well, an area that's colloquially known as Peshoba, it's Berry's Bay Coin area, really close to Algonquin Park in Ontario. Um, it's a 25-plus uh, adult event um, in terms of age. Uh, the first event that we have taking place is uh, the summer camp, which is running over the Civic Long Weekend. Uh, that's from July 28th. That's Thursday through to Monday, August 1st. Every single summer camp that we do has a different theme. So last year's theme was pre-Christian Poland. So essentially looking at pagan Poland. And there's a really cool video on YouTube of what we did with that one. Um, and so it's a mixture of learning about that historical time period, engaging in some of the traditions. So for pre-Christian camp, we were able to do uh, Andrzejki, um, uh, which is like a fortune-telling game, Tolkienia uh, Marzenne, which is a spring equinox, very weird game where you build a queen and you kill her um, <laughs> to bring in the spring. So very witchy stuff. Um, and, and then we also mix it in with giving people lots and lots of free time if they want to nap, go canoeing. Um, the facility where we do Connect Camp is fully equipped. It has cabins, rooms and tents, um, washrooms, and then we hold a bunch of Polish grandmas hostage for the weekend and they cook for us. Uh, I'm <laughs> kidding. They're not actually held hostage, but they cook amazing Polish food for us all weekend. It's three meals a day. And so the, the, the ticket price includes everything for the weekend. All the activities is honestly the best bang for your buck for a long weekend, especially. So our upcoming camp is for 2022. The theme is medieval Poland. So we're going to be looking at Queen Jadwiga, the Battle of Grunwald, um, everything that kind of happened within the Middle East, medieval ages um, in Poland. Uh, we're also going to have a couple of reenactments. There's a costume contest. People I know are, are already crafting their contests for, for the medieval Polish. And it's, it's fun and it's silly because we're adults, but we're going to dress up and we're going to do arts and crafts. And it's going to be great. <laughs> and then our second camp is uh, September 22nd through the 25th, same location. But the theme for that one is just mushroom picking. And so we go mushroom picking. Uh, we learn about ident identifying mushrooms. It's a little bit of a colder event because by, by late September is cooler. So there's not as much water activities. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful property. It's a really great camp. It's, um, it's open to everybody. We always have a lot of Polish and non-Polish people come. and um, Highly recommend people check it out um, at connect.ca, uh, connect spelled with a K. Two and K's. it's 25 plus. And what's the maximum? We don't really have one. I think the oldest member is like late 50s. It's actually funny because we've had a number of people's parents um, or like I've had members call us. Like I have one member, she's 34. She said, listen, my parents really want to come to Connect Camp. Um, so if they register, tell me and just refund their ticket. Like they can't, I, I want to go and have a fun time, not be with my parents the whole time. Um, I'm like, well, I can't turn them away. So if they buy tickets, like you're, that's, that's your own family affair to sort out. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of parents have become interested and some of them have come for sure. And we welcome it. Like we can, we're all adults like at this point. They're all urban. Yes. Nobody can be rural because <laughs> you said urban. So it's funny you should say, so we do actually have a, um, a membership option for Ontario um, because during the pandemic, so many people moved out of the city. So we have an option, we call it the non-GTA membership, um, where someone can be a member of Connect Toronto, um, but be from, and I think it's $40 um, for the whole year. Um, we have a number of members who are like in Collingwood or Hamilton now. We don't have actual chapters in those cities, but they still would like to be members to A, support the organization, and B, when they have an opportunity to come to the city for an event, they're, they're, it's, it's easy for them. Um, so that's just something that we developed in the last year, um, because so there was just this mass exodus. Of course, as you know, I'm always happy to support you. So if you need Thank anything, you so any, 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 always let me know. And okay, we really Melissa. appreciate your support. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks. To learn more about Connect, please visit podcast website, mypodcast.com. Let me take this opportunity to thank all podcast listeners. I love you all. For a lot of additional information, multimedia links, please visit the website at mypodcast.com. And while you're there, please share your comments, your reactions, suggest ideas. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to rate this episode on your favorite podcast app. If you know of any interesting stories that we should cover on our podcast, please let us know. If you like what you heard, share it and tell others. If you want to help me make podcast, please donate to our podcast fundraising campaign, mypodcast.com/support. Every penny counts and will be most helpful in paying for servers, equipment, etc. Thank you to all our existing patrons. Your help is greatly appreciated. And please, don't forget about Ukraine, the ruthless war and the atrocities perpetrated by Russia and this incredible, incredible bravery of Ukrainians. Let's continue to help and support Ukrainians in their struggle for freedom and peace. I encourage you to listen to podcast two episodes, which were tributes to Ukraine. Slava Ukraini. And I leave you with a beautiful piece called Ukrainian Village, composed and played by Derek and Brandon Fichter. They are identical twins from Indiana who compose enchanting music, Celtic, fantasy, Gothic, medieval, and world music, including even Polish. They have a YouTube channel where their music illustrates their videos in their series Fantasy and World Music by the Fichters. In her article, Three Sets of Identical Twin Musicians on YouTube, Susan Joy Clark says, the brothers describe themselves as fantasy and world composers. The twins both started composing around the age of 15. They're very prolific and have many instrumental pieces on fantasy themes such as elves, fairies, mermaids, pirates, space, or on world music themes like Arabian, Caribbean, Japanese, Chinese, Egyptian, and more. The music takes you away to a different world. I agree with her entirely. Among Derek and Brandon's world music compositions, there is this delightful Ukrainian piece, Ukrainian Village. Thank you, Derek, for letting me use your beautiful music on podcast. Mm-hmm.